Ladies and gentlemen, before we start this episode, I would like to tell you about our free live webinar highlighting the key pillars to nutrition success. If you've got goals, we've got answers. Whether you're trying to lose weight, build muscle, feel energized, or just educate yourself, this webinar is for you. Join us Saturday, December 5th at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Check us out on Instagram at eatrightnutrition, E-A-T-R-I-T-E nutrition, and click the link in our bio to sign up now. Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Daron. And I'm Nicole. And today, we're going to talk about measuring progress. Boss lady. Cito. Let's talk about progress. Okay. Let's talk about measuring it. Okay. Everybody's a numbers fanatic. I know. Doesn't that disappoint you? There is more than one way to measure progress, but you still need to measure progress. Yes, I agree. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious in all the episodes. I am definitely a progress tracker fanatic. What's that? There's what is it? You can't manage what you don't measure. Never heard that. Never? Nope. I think it's a business quote. No idea. But that's something that I learned a long time ago, and I, I stand by it. Like, you can't manage your nutrition program or your strength training program or your goals or progress if you don't measure and track to see if you're headed in the right direction. You have to measure over days, weeks, months, years. I think so. And understand that you're playing the long game and you, you got to have some measurements of uh, progress along the way. And I think there's kind of a two-sided thing, right? So one, people are either super obsessed with measurements mm-hmm. or two, they don't want to measure at all because they're scared of the outcome. Yeah, absolutely. I think that goes for everything. I wouldn't just say measurements, weight, pictures. Like I know we're going to get into all the ways that you can track progress, but I've had clients on either side of that. So let's get into it. Well, let me ask you this. Let's have a little conversation. When you start with a client, how do you bring up the conversation of tracking progress? Like, do you ask them what they want or do you pick it for them? I set the precedent right off the start. This is what we're going to be tracking depending on their scenario. If it's an online client and I'm not seeing them, I'm going to say weight and measurements with tape measure. Mm -hmm. You know what's funny about the tape measure? I had a client who was like, hey, I... I measured my, you know, like my thigh, my waist, my hips, everything that I told her to measure. And she's like, I didn't have a bendable tape measure. Is that okay? <laughs> and I'm like, you were, you used a tape measure that like you'd use to measure like, a room. Measure a floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's not okay. Go that's get definitely not okay. That must have been very uncomfortable. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, trying to be as polite as possible. <laughs> like, what were you thinking? But well, anyway. She tried. She tried. It's the effort that counts. But anyway, if it's an in-person client, I -hmm. like to do body fat measurements. Mm -hmm. My preference for body fat is actually not on the list I have here for today, but the ultrasound technology. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The body metrics is what it's Mm -hmm. called. That's basically the same sites as your skin fold. Yeah. Only it's measuring sound waves through. And when you hit muscle, you know, it goes through the fat, it goes through the skin, through the fat. And then once you hit muscle, 
sound kind of bounces off. And mm-hmm. since muscle is thicker, you'll see changes in the sound. And then you'll be able to measure the millimeters of that mm-hmm. measurement. And to me, I think that's more accurate than calipers. The studies show that it's as accurate as calipers, but mm-hmm. I think that it removes the user error. Yeah. Right. So when you're using calipers to measure body fat, it's got to be the same person every time and it has to be an experienced user. Otherwise, there's a user error. So you have yeah. to account for a percentage of user error. Yeah. See, I always say to clients, whatever we choose, body fat, whatever type of body fat tracker or test, pro- even progress pictures, how you how you stand and pose can change the way you look, like things like that. Whatever we use, it has to be at the same time of day, same clothing in a progress picture, like things yeah, like that. And- And for the tape measure, I say right side only, not because there's something special about the right side, but just so that we're consistent with the The side. You don't want to measure right side one week and then left side another week because you're going to get two different measurements because there's always going to be an asymmetry between Mm -hmm. one side and the other. Yeah. Ultimately, pick it, stick with it and track. Now, I want to talk about the different types of measurements. Okay. So we've got you mentioned progress pictures. Yeah, that's probably one of the biggest progress trackers that I use. Well, I think one of the big things with the progress pictures is you're going to see yourself in the mirror every day and you're going to think that you're not getting progress. Mm -hmm. So taking a picture and then maybe 30 days later, taking another picture is going to put that in perspective for you. With the mirror, you see yourself every day. And then one day, you know, I've had this all the time, like, uh, you know, female clients, like my husband said, I'm looking much better, but I don't see it. Or, right, right. or you've been on track, you've been doing things for six months. And then you go to a holiday event or, you know, some kind of gathering, which unfortunately we don't have many gatherings right now, but <laughs> you go to some kind of a gathering and then, you know, family members that you haven't seen in a long time or friends that you haven't seen in a long time. They're like, Oh my God, you look so great. What are you doing? Right. And yeah. then you feel so good about it. When on a day to day basis, you're like, oh, my body's not changing. Right. And I also like the progress pictures because during certain times when I change someone's nutrition, like if we're carb cycling, because I love to use that, or if we're cutting or building, I also like to use that like from cycle to cycle too. what you did a year ago with a cut phase versus what you're doing with a year, a year ahead in a cut phase looks very different. And I love that people can enjoy the visual aspects. Even close fitting is a really for a weight loss client is huge. Like, like you said, the scale hasn't gone down as much as they think it should have gone down, which is a big one. So when we talk about scale weight, they think they've down five pounds means their clothes should be falling off of them <laughs> or they're down five pounds and the body fat should just be plummeting. And it's, yeah. you know, slower and than that. It's well, because it's five pounds throughout your whole body. Right. Right. And then they're like, oh, well, I'm down five pounds and I still have a gut, which I think we should touch up on. Yeah, because the there's no spot reducing. You're not going to mm-hmm. train an extra. You're not going to train a, a specific area and lose body fat in that area. I, I don't know who thinks this anymore. I don't know if anybody does. I haven't come across this in a spot while. Spot reduction. Oh, my yeah. God. Every woman on the planet. <laughs> but yes, they do. Your body genetically will store and remove body fat from where it wants to. And unfortunately, you have no control of that. So mm-hmm. some people, you know, there there might be a little bit of a hormonal aspect, right? Women will generally store more in the hips and thighs and the butt. Mm-hmm. So I've seen some women who will store more in their arms. Yeah. 
and men will typically store more in their midsection. And typically what happens is where your body likes to store it is probably the last place that it's going to come from. Yeah. So it's just about, like we always say, time, consistency and patience. Mm -hmm. And the the stubborn body fat, we'll call it in quotes, that's going to take more time than the rest of your body. Yeah. Right. I've had times when I was competing that I'd lose a little bit of muscle trying to get the last little bit of love handles off. Yeah. Right. And love handles, we're talking, I'm already at a low body fat percentage and I'm just like, I got to work extra hard to get this off. Because that's where your body likes to put your, likes to store fat. So we mentioned progress pictures. We dove into measurements Mm -hmm. and, you know, you said either you're using a tape measure or you're using your clothes. That to me is measurements. Yeah. Right. Circumference, waist circumference. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a measurement. And then we get into the scale. And the scale is something I really want to dive into because the scale is something that people are afraid of or they're using wrong, right? So the scale is something where you have to be okay and comfortable with the fact that the scale is not going to change every single week. And this is why I use at least at a minimum two methods, two, I don't know, three. (laughs) three. All right. Yeah. I use at a minimum two methods to measure progress. See, I don't count the scale as one. So I use two others and then I use the scale as kind of like a buffer because I know people want to, but I don't really care about the scale as much, even a weight loss client, but go ahead. Also like scale measurements or clothes and progress picks. Mm -hmm. I generally choose two. And the reason why we use things other than the scale is because this scale is going to fluctuate and there's various different factors that are going to affect your scale weight. So Mm -hmm. Nicole, let's get a little bit into what is going to affect your weight on the scale. Oh my gosh. You want me to list? I'll list a couple right off the top of my head. So let's see, we have your water intake, your menstrual cycle, your sodium intake, your alcohol consumption, maybe the night before your sleep, your stress. Mm -hmm. Your stress. Oh, yeah. Your caffeine intake. Caffeine. Thank you. What, eight. what, what food seven. you ate and did you poop? Yes. Wow. Right. So yep. all of those things are going to factor in. So let me give you an example. If you had a stressful day or you've been having a stressful week, it is likely that you are going to retain more water and therefore the scale is going to go up. Mm-hmm. If you've consumed a high sodium meal, mm-hmm. it is likely you are going to retain water and the scale is going to go up. Mm-hmm. If you ate more food one day, it is likely that you are going to weigh more and the scale is going to go up, <laughs> right? So all, if you have a menstrual cycle, mm-hmm. this is where, so there's one or two, two ways to kind of do things, right? There's kind of the research method in terms mm-hmm. of doing things. That's weigh yourself every day of the yeah. week and Take then the average that out. Yeah. Or if I have my clients weigh, out, weigh in weekly and I think they're going to bug out over the scale, I'll just say, hey, around the time leading into your menstrual cycle, mm-hmm. That's where you're typically going to be the heaviest because you're retaining the most water. Mm -hmm. So let's maybe not weigh in that week and then weigh in the following week. Right. Mm -hmm. There's various different ways. It depends on you as an individual. Yeah. But you have to be okay with scale fluctuations and know that that's going to happen. And if in long, longer periods of time, the scale isn't budging, that's not something that you should harp on all day and think, I'm not seeing progress. This sucks. I quit. That's (laughs) a situation where that could be an area of opportunity. If we're not measuring progress, we don't know where to go. I'm just telling you what to do. And I don't even know if that's working for you. So I need to know what the progress says. And that includes the scale, but it's not limited to the scale. Mm -hmm. 
other things that you can measure outside of the scale. We talked about progress pictures, additional measurements. Mm-hmm. We talked about, well, we didn't, but performance. Yep. Performance in the gym. Are you getting stronger? If you're getting stronger, you're building lean mass. And lean mass is also a reason why the scale can change. If you're lifting weights for the first time in your life, the scale's not always expected to go down because you're building muscle. So you need to focus on that. And then there is body fat, which we mentioned doing something like the body metrics, which is the ultrasound, Mm -hmm. which I think is very accurate. And it's a very good thing to do. The calipers where Mm -hmm. you you skin fold calipers, you you pinch the skin. And then there are things that are considered like the gold standard, which if you have access to them, great. If not, don't worry about it. Hydrostatic weighing for a very, very long time was considered the gold standard. Yeah. So essentially... You blow all your air out, you dunk yourself in a tank, and it measures water displacement. With that water displacement, it's going to estimate your body fat, and it's going to be pretty accurate within like 1%. Yeah. And then we have a bod pod, which is kind of similar to hydrostatic weighing, only Mm -hmm. you're not in water. It's measuring your air displacement inside of this vessel that you're sitting in. The downfall to that is it's like $40,000. It's a very expensive thing. Some universities (laughs) have them, but outside of research, I don't really see them used in a practical setting. Yeah. And then we've got the DEXA, basically like an x-ray scan and tells you body fat. The only thing that I find with the DEXA is that it measures your head too. Mm -hmm. So it gives you a higher reading. Yeah. But it is a very, very accurate and cost-effective way to do it. Um, But that's something that would require like a radiology tech to be able to handle that. And that's it. But in terms of things that you have at home and you have access to, I think really the biggest things are the progress pictures, the performance measurements, the Mm -hmm. uh, measurements with a tape measure or your clothes and how they fit in terms of Mm -hmm. waist circumference, hip circumference, things like that. And then your your scale. Yeah. Whatever it is that you're choosing to use is going to be what obviously what's the most accessible. I think for most of our listeners that are in a gym setting, we have calipers, the body fat, like an in-body machine measurements, your performance, and then progress pictures. So those are pretty much the like normal methods that we use daily, right? And then you have what I wanted to to bring up too, because a lot of my clients have asked me about, have you ever had a client that gets the scale from like, I don't know if you get them at like CVS that has the body fat with it that is completely inaccurate. Can we talk about those? (laughs) Yes. So bioelectrical impedance, that's the Mm -hmm. one thing that we didn't mention. Mm -hmm. Bioelectrical impedance, there's a bunch of different things you could do, right? There's the scale that you buy at home. Mm -hmm. There is the in-body scale, which is like, you know, four or $5,000, which the difference between that is you're getting uh, impedance from different points, Mm -hmm. right? So you're holding the sensors on your hands and you are standing on the sensors. And essentially the way bioelectrical impedance works with those scales, right? And we've all seen like some gyms, you go there and it's very cheap. They they, they can buy them for 20, 30 bucks. The handheld ones, you hold them out in front of you. Mm -hmm. Uh, You enter in your data, your age, your height, things like Mm -hmm. that, right? And then it'll kind of estimate your body fat. And now the ones that have multiple points of contact where it's hands and feet are going to be a little bit more accurate. Mm -hmm. But supposedly there's like a 3% gap where it's a 3% variance, give or take. And that's around what your body fat is. I think it's larger with bioelectrical impedance. See, I thought it was like three to five and what I usually three to 5%. And what I usually tell clients Listen, in my opinion, none of these are a hundred percent accurate in anything. You're always going to have a variability of, you know, up or down in terms of accuracy. But let me just finish. The goal is to see a trend 
in the right direction as you're tracking progress. This is why this is such an important episode. The goal is to to show that your body is going in the right direction. This is why I always go back to progress pictures. Look at yourself in the mirror. (laughs) I mean, that's a surefire sign to see whether things are happening for the good or the bad, especially if you have someone doing it with you. But, you know, I mean, there's obviously good and bad to progress pictures too, because women are completely picky about their body and I can show them a progress picture and you can see great change in their body and they're still focused on the one area that hasn't changed yet and completely obsess over that. So, but wait, what? I'm not done with BIA yet. Well, go ahead. Bioelectrical impedance analysis. (laughs) So yes, plus or minus 3%, which I'd say is more than that. But it's got it's even bigger if you don't meet certain conditions. Here's the thing with yes. bioelectrical impedance. You stand on that scale, okay? And there is criteria that you need to think about before getting on that scale. Mm-hmm. Okay? So according to the American College of Sports Medicine, prior to the test, people should not eat or drink for at least 30 minutes. They should not exercise for at least 12 hours. They should not drink alcohol for at least 48 hours. Mm-hmm. They should not ingest diuretics including caffeine, mm-hmm. unless prescribed by a physician. Diuretics, not caffeine. I don't know any doctors that prescribe caffeine. Maybe. If you have narcolepsy, I don't know. <laughs> and they should also urinate 30 minutes before. Yeah. So you have to be in all of that. Optimal state. Y- yeah. In order for it to have even a quote unquote 3%, which I would say is probably greater, maybe more like 5% or even in some cases 8%. Uh, it's not the best measure of body fat. I don't love it. It's something like you said, over long periods of time, you'll see the change because even with the variance, it's not going to make a difference. If you're starting at That's 30, my point. you're starting at 30% body fat and then you're at 20% body fat. You've met you've all that change. criteria. You've yeah. seen change. And obviously there are going to be other measurements that you've done along the way. If you mm-hmm. go from 30 to 20% body fat, your weight's going to go down. Yeah. And that's, that's what I'm trying to say here. Like we could argue accuracy because trust me, I've seen people in the gym being like, get on the in body and want to throw it out the window. And I'm like, take a deep breath and just track the progress. Forget about the actual number. Just know that it's going in the right direction. If you want your body fat to go down, whether it's a three to 5% accuracy, what difference does it make? The bottom line is it should be going down if you want it to change. So it know. should. And if the I want to go back to the scale because the scale is something that mm-hmm. Listen, if it's not budging, look at other things. Don't think well, that de- that depends on your goal, right? Well, let's say the goal is weight loss. Like if loss. your goal is let's traditional, say the goal, let's yeah. say the goal is fat, fat loss, weight loss, right? Let's say you. Well, there's are, a difference between weight. Let's loss say you're. Let, let's say. Listen, if you're 50 pounds overweight, <laughs> weight loss and fat loss, fat loss are, the they're one thing. and the same. You're okay. going to lose fat and lose weight, right? Yes. So let's give that example, right? You're 50 okay. pounds overweight. Okay, you get on the scale. The scale's not necessarily budging. To me, if you're doing all the right things we've been talking about mm-hmm. and the scale doesn't move, first and <laughs> foremost, if it doesn't move for one week, I'm not worried about it. Yeah. But if a month or two have gone by, then that is seen as an opportunity. It's not seen as a, oh, man, like I'm, I'm never going to get there. Right. You're defined by a number on the scale. And it's crazy to me. Yeah. Right. We should get on the scale and we should be comfortable getting on the scale and we should be friends with the scale because the scale is something that is going to help as one of those markers of tracking progress. Now, 
if that hasn't budged, but other things have moved, mm-hmm. right? Your habits have changed. That's a measure of progress. Biofeedback, right? Your digestion is better. Yeah. Your hunger and energy levels are better. You're sleeping better. Your stress is better, right? All of those things are going to be measures of progress as well. We can't just look at the numbers of body fat, the scale, the measurements, right? We have to say, like, do we feel good? Yeah. The hard part about the do we feel good part is that it's not fast. It's not a a, a fast marker that gets people motivated to keep going. The minute they start to see the scale come down, all of a sudden everything in their mind is working. So the motivation becomes greater to keep going. So that's the tricky part there. But I agree with you. It's also subjective, which, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, I like doing biofeedback. I think it's great, but I'm also a very objective analysis kind of person. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to see those numbers moving in the right direction. Yeah. And for me as a coach, like I said, if those numbers aren't over a long period of time moving in the right direction, one of two things is happening. One, you're not doing what I fucking told you to do. <laughs> and, you're, and you're lying about it. Right? Or you're lying to yourself. Yeah. Or two, we need to make some changes. And yeah. that's fine. That's okay. But we need to know that we need to make those changes. I mean, yeah. there are some clients that I hound about where, where's my progress? Where are my measurements? Right? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do it. And then if they do it and they're like, oh man, I lost 10 pounds. And I'm like, all right, great victory. High five. And if they don't do it and they, it didn't budge or they gained Mm -hmm. one or two pounds, Mm -hmm. then it's like that defines them. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not the right attitude. Look at everything you've changed. You've been eating protein at every meal. You've been getting Mm -hmm. tons of vegetables in. You've been eating whole grains. You've been uh, managing your carbohydrate intake. You've been managing your sugar intake. You've cut down on alcohol tremendously. Like that's progress to me. Yeah. Well, I agree. But th- then now you get into it, the time aspect of things. Like people think we talk about it all the time. People eat protein at every meal for five days and they expect the scale to completely change. And it just doesn't work that way. It takes, it takes consistency is what's going to get you where you really want to be. So all of the habits you just listed, you have to do from now i always say to clients you have to do it from now on like from now on forever (laughs) forever to keep this going and then once they create the change this is the other piece to it is they see their measurements change or the scale goes down on the body fats to change and they've done all these great things to create change now i say okay now you have to keep going (laughs) you can't just say i got there and that's it and i'm done this is the new lifestyle that's why we call it lifestyle change and not scale weight change. And that's also why we don't say you're going on a diet. You're changing your nutrition. Right. Right. Exactly. But I mean, people are in such a rush sometimes and they they come to me after like 20 years of eating like shit. And I'm like, you've been 20 months of eating like shit. You you got, yeah, you got this way in a, in a long period of time. Yeah. How do you expect to just overturn that in 30 days? or even 60 days because everyone on Instagram and the grocery store line magazines tell them they can do it in seven minutes. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, I, I don't know why that's still even an, I want to say it didn't, that didn't come to my attention. I guess I don't, well, first of all, I don't go to the grocery store. Everything gets delivered now. So, <laughs> which I'm very spoiled with that, but that I didn't know those still existed. Oh, my God. I, I did an Instagram post on this a couple of weeks ago. I was standing in line at CVS at the 
this was at CVS and there's like the rack of magazines. And of course, it's like all female women's health, all these magazines that are like seven minute abs and 21 day detox. And I'm standing in line, like yelling at the magazines. I'm like, give me a break. And (laughs) the people behind me are the women at the cash register are all laughing at me. I'm like, do you believe this? And they're like, do you think it works? And, you know, I'm like, you're like, here's my my business card. I'll show (laughs) you what works. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. But the fact that they question whether it does or not, the woman, the the checkout lady that I went up to, I was like, do people buy this stuff still? I'm like, I can't even believe it's still on a magazine rack. Don't worry. Men's health is the same thing. Seven minutes abs. I don't know. These ridiculous claims. Yeah. And then you've got, you know, Dr. Oz with his arms crossed, like on a magazine talking about (laughs) like lose, lose weight in seven days. And I'm like, come on, man. Like. What happened to your Hippocratic Oath to like do, <laughs> to do better? You know, I mean, this guy's a TV personality at this point. I don't even see him as a doctor. Like, yeah, you stick, stay in your lane because you're I giving will, people false hope. Well, I think that the flash of the thought that, a, you know, something can happen in seven days is because people get so frustrated. I say this all the time. People get frustrated. They feel really disappointed in themselves. Maybe they chose a different thing to focus on in life. Like you and I've talked about, maybe they're working on creating a better financial situation or, you know, they take on a second job. So they're not working out as much or they're not paying attention to their food as much because I don't know, they, a female had a baby. And so now she's taking care of children. Life happens and things change. And I think people end up in a place with their body and their nutrition and their health. And then it takes them, you know, when they get into that space and they're like, oh shit, I've let myself go or I wasn't paying attention or I focused on something else. And now I got to get back into it instead of just being like, okay, I need to take a step back and create a plan. You know, they see these magazines and they think seven days, oh, I'll give that a try. I'll just do that and I can get right back on track. Here's my thing with that though. Like if you have a life change, and you've worked on developing habits, which to me is the biggest win, Mm -hmm. then those habits will still be there because they're habits. Yeah. You might do things a little bit less because your priorities change, Mm -hmm. but you're not going to go all the way back down the rabbit hole of where you've been. Right. Right. Yeah. Maybe you might gain a few pounds, but it's not going to be like from where your original starting point was when you started your fitness journey or your nutrition journey you know, a couple of years ago. Yeah. But this is the thing. I feel like depression, anxiety, and stress, those are my top three areas that I feel like so many people come in to talk about their nutrition and it, things happen in life. And it, you, you know, like we've talked about, you hit a roadblock or a setback or you fall down or things fall apart. You just got to take a deep breath, stand back up, reestablish those habits and goals, which is why I think working with a coach is such an important piece to creating a healthy lifestyle and then pick some of these progress tracking methods and and just get put your head down and get right into it and you know don't be so hard on yourself like get support i think the biggest takeaway here should be don't be afraid of measurements don't be afraid if it goes up like Mm -hmm. those are those are opportunities for you to reevaluate your program or to think i need to be more patient and it's gonna move up and down probably say this over and over again Progress does not come in steady increments or straight lines. In, it comes in. It's not progress isn't linear. Mm-hmm. It comes in uneven spurts. It goes up and down and all, all around and all over the place. You cannot yeah. expect for you to just 
linearly make progress and just the perception is off. It's wrong. Yeah. You can't do you can't do that with anything in life. Yeah. You know, your financial situation gets better and then your car breaks down and you get hit with a a three thousand dollar bill for a new transmission. That's setbacks. Yeah. In your with your finances and with your life. And that happens with your nutrition and your fitness, too. You're going to have setbacks. You're going to get sick. You're going to catch a cold. You're not going to be able to work out for a week. Is all your progress gone because of that? No. You know, first of all, first and foremost, don't just rely on the scale because the scale is going to fluctuate and move. Mm-hmm. Measurements should go in the right direction. Progress pictures will tell you over long periods of time how you're doing and how you've progressed because you see yourself in the mirror every single day. Mm-hmm. And if you have access to some of these other methods of uh, testing body fat, then by all means do so. Yeah, performance. Let's get get that in there. If you can do performance, yeah. one if- push-up to 20 push-ups, you've created some serious change. You're stronger. Yep. For everybody out there being stronger and building lean mass, that is shown to increase longevity of your life, right? So if you're building lean mass and you're stronger as an individual, you'll be less likely to be a frail old, you know, whatever when you're, as you age. Yeah. So I've been doing a challenge on my Instagram account. And one of the things that my clients have been realizing is the awareness of their habits, which I think is a really great piece to this as well. Like, using that as a progress tracker is really great. That's that habit tracker sheet that you had mentioned in one of our other podcasts is that you list, you know, getting at protein in, drinking water, blah, 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 sleep, hygiene, and tracking that throughout a 30 day period of time and knowing that you're increasing those habits and getting better at them. That's another way to track progress. Yeah. And that to me is the most important progress. And if you're doing those things, then the, the measurements, mm-hmm. which are important, but less important than the habits. Yeah, we'll follow, right? The measurements will follow, mm-hmm. right? Focus on being healthy. Focus on establishing healthy habits. The numbers will move in the right direction as kind of like an ancillary benefit to that. Yeah, exactly. But that's pretty much it in terms of measuring progress. It's it's something that's in, that's important, but it's something that you shouldn't obsess over. And yeah, if it's something that bothers you and you're uncomfortable with it, then I recommend doing it. Get on that scale. And get comfortable getting on that scale. Yeah, it should right? fire you up to make change, not... And you do it frequently with the understanding that the numbers aren't always going to move and sometimes they'll go up. Mm-hmm. But over a period of time, they should be trending in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And thinking with that thought process should get you more comfortable stepping on the scale. Yeah. I mean, when you think about, you mentioned like alcohol and caffeine and menstrual cycle, if you're tracking your scale weight during all of those moments in life, like what, if you have a night that you go and drink or a weekend that you go and drink, you want to see how that affects your body, whether it be in terms of weight or a progress picture, or however you're tracking so that each time that you do it, I know this sounds silly, but each time that my clients will come in and be like, oh, I drank this weekend. I'm like, take your progress picture, take a look at how your body responds so that you can then use that information down the line. Like if you're going to drink, you know this is what your this is how your body's going to respond and how much weight you may gain, pound, 2 pounds, whatever it fluctuates. So the next time you get on the scale after drinking, you have an expectation this I know I got this. This is why my body responds to alcohol. I'm not going to freak out. It's no big deal. I'm just going to get back on track with my habits and I'm going to keep going. Same thing with the female menstrual cycle. We do this all the time get on the scale, check it out. How many, like what's the water intake? 
if you drink more water before, is it more, is it less, whatever the case may be, the goal is to document that so you can look at that over time just as much. So the the fail progress is just as important to see as the success progress. You know what I'm saying? Get comfortable failing, baby. Yes. Whoop, whoop. Fail forward. Yes. Ooh, FF, bay. <laughs> You're ridiculous. All right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that was another fabulous episode of the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, write a review, and please share this with a friend that could find value in the show, and you'll hear us next week. 